Hi everyone and welcome to our next episode of Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. Performance marketing is all about attention. It's the currency that is traded between consumers and advertisers, whether it's seconds on a screen or clicks on a link. So if you're not an attention seeker, you're not doing it right. I'm Lucy Shelley, junior reporter at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. Today I am joined by Charlie Cadbury, CEO of Say It Now, the voice commerce experts. Hi Charlie, thanks for being this week's attention seeker. How are you doing today? It's great and it's very nice to be here in real life. You're looking forward to seeking some attention today? I think I can hit this brief. <laughs> Fantastic. It's a real interrogation suite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it does like, for you. Like, you know, they're all pointing like, at you. I know. Really... point them somewhere else. No, like... no, this, no, this is good. This is good. This is good. <laughs> start us off, could you just tell everyone what is voice commerce? Yeah, sure. So um, I run a company called Set Now. We're an ad tech business. We work exclusively in the world of voice. So these are your friends. Uh, Google Assistant, Siri, um, Alexa. Uh, and we use these incredibly powerful voice assistants to help kind of brands and marketeers have uh, interactive conversations with their, uh, their customers, their consumers, um, ideally all the way through to transaction. Fantastic. And... The title of this podcast is Attention Seekers. We can't get away from that. And so we want to know all about you and what is getting your attention this week. Um, so I've been um, enthralled by the drama <laughs> that's been um, Elon Musk. Um, and so what he's been doing with, with Twitter and this quite interesting kind of, is, is is he bored? Does he want to join the board of Twitter? And, you know, where's where's this story really going? So, you know, you never really know with an eccentric billionaire what's going to happen next. And he's, you know, made these big moves to buy and become the largest shareholder in Twitter. And then something happened over the weekend. You know, there's this big flurry of weird and wonderful tweets that came from from Elon and then um, the CEO of Twitter then put this announcement out saying I can only tell you this but he's not buying the book he's not joining the board um, and you just don't really know exactly what's what's going to happen but you know there's there's um, there was some some doors left open you know there's saying that you know there's going to be interesting times ahead um, and uh, that by not joining the board he's not adhering to the idea that he he, if he joined the board, he had to limit his shareholding than Twitter. He mm. now is able to advance his, sharehold, his shareholding, possibly do a hostile takeover of Twitter. So um, that's definitely got my attention. Yeah, but I wonder if, you know, for him to get on the board, it's simply because he's bored. He what? just, you know, do you know what I mean? He just kind of is trying to see where he can Well, he's got a few things going on. You know, he's... He's, he's, he's rather busy, he is, exactly. He's, you know, he's, he's helping Ukraine. He's going to Mars. Um, he's, he's going <laughs> underground. He's, yeah, he's, he's, going uh, it's all space. happening. Yeah. He's going up and down all <laughs> over. Following on from that, I want to see how much of an attention seeker you are. So how, how bored do you get, Charlie Calabri? Can you recall a time that you have done something completely ridiculous for attention? Um, all all the time. So kind of, the time. kind of like um, professionally and and personally, and I can give you kind of some examples either way. So um, in my personal life, I found like what kind of really works is creating stories that I can then tell again and again and again. Um, and so you know, you create so, the anecdotes before they happen. Well, yeah, yeah, kind <laughs> of. You know, that's that's always the the intention. So um, you know, before I moved um, to London and started um, my first business, I had this um, this idea that I wanted to you know get to know the name. Neighbors and um, get myself 
fit and get um, some of my languages a bit better. So I, I got my, I bought a bicycle and I, I cycled on my own down to Morocco. And that was a lovely kind of four month trip, about 3000 miles and just taking things in along the way, enjoying kind of the day to day um, journey of it all and coming back with um, some stories to tell. And I continued this theme. I've got uh, three small kids and we were trying to work out how we moved them all around. And the uh, kind of perceived wisdom is that we should get one of these, these cargo bikes, which, you know, we could put the three kids in the front and cycle okay. them around. And they are incredibly expensive. And I was <laughs> unprepared to um, pay £4,000 for um, this thing. Um, and so I thought, well, hold on, my sister lives in Amsterdam. Maybe I can get a secondhand one from Market Platz, the, the kind of eBay equivalent in, in Holland. So I went and found this secondhand uh, cargo bike in um, The Hague. And then and then cycled that back and then arrived it was, it was you know overnight from uh, Hook Down Holland to, to Harwich and then then arrived back um, uh, with the bike after you know cycling it mm-hmm. back and it's that was a nice nice way to to show the kids that there's different ways to do things around but I think the most the most um, the, the the best example of the most extreme attention seeking <laughs> again with with the kids um, uh, is. We had these twin boys, and then 15 months later, we had our daughter, Sienna. And, you know, when we had the, the twin boys, we, there was like one child each. My wife and I both had a, a kid to hold. It was great. But when Sienna came along, there was just one baby. I was like, oh, Maria, can I please hold the baby? She said, she said no. My turn. No. She said, no. I was like, please give me the baby. And like, Aww. you know, it's, it's really hard to get to get my cuddles in. And so um, uh, for her first birthday, I then wrote Sienna a book called <gasps> The Swan. It's a bedtime story. You can buy it on Amazon. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> um, and, you know, that, I think that's the most extreme kind of version of attracting attention that I've ever had to go through. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Do you ever find yourself kind of competing against your kids for attention? Mm. <laughs> Just kind of... I'm very happy to play a supporting role in that. Oh, are you? And as you know, performance marketing is a lot about cookies for now. Mm-hmm. And before they leave us entirely, can you tell us something that cookies can tell about you that perhaps you wouldn't, you'd rather they didn't know? Um, I just think they're, they're incredibly confused. You know, I, I work in advertising. There's a huge raft of brands that we would love to work with. We get inquiries about all the time. So I've got to do a huge amount of research in brands that I'm not the target market for. And so, you know, the, at the moment, you know, if you look through my cookie history, you'd see me looking at um, spec savers, MSC cruises, that kind of SIF antibacterial wipes. These are not my normal <laughs> kind of searching habits. But mm. for my job, I have to kind of um, run through and, you know, get us to understand the the kind of companies we're working with. Um, so yes, I think a confused picture would be told by my cookie history. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I think when you when you leave work, you want to go home, but it's your your cookies stay there, don't they? You, you turn on your phone and you're getting everything from work coming up as well. Yeah. Or other people that I speak to, I have their, you know, if, I, if they're talking about... I don't know, traveling in Africa, and then suddenly got all their ads as well. Oh, yeah. You can't, they're not very specific, are they? <laughs> Almost. And for our main section, we want to know about your ratings of the industry. So we're going to ask you overrated and underrated. So shall we start with what you think is overrated in the industry? Um, so thought long and hard about this question. And, um, you know, I've been really enthralled by the rise and rise of TikTok. Um, mm. And, you know, TikTok is, you know, undeniably where an awful lot of people spent an awful lot of their lockdown. You know, it's kind of kept us kind of massively entertained and agencies kind of popped up here and then everywhere saying, you know, we can help you with your TikTok strategy. But 
I think being, you know, I've got some some grey hair now, um, and um, we've seen kind of rise of different channels before. Um, in a, uh, if you kind of think of Vine, which was kind of similar to mm. TikTok, which came along before, I think it's it's important to to note where people are spending their time as a marketeer, and to be able to know that you should spend some of your presence and um, energy and effort there. But what happens when um, these channels rise to to prominence so quickly is it's hard to what well, basically they, they have immature kind of marketing environments around them so mm-hmm. yes you're able to um to be present there but you don't know the longevity and how how much of your workforce you should train up on these platforms or the the, the tools that you can um you know really use to to make the best out of them so although um i think that you know you you should you should, as a decent-sized brand, work in a TikTok strategy into into what you're doing. Um, you shouldn't be blinded by the lights, and it should be part of a you know a, a more considered overall strategy. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's working out how to be present there, isn't it? Because there's all these algorithms and things. I've I've heard that you can post a video, and then two or three years later, it can then become viral. I mean, it's impossible to kind of work out how to be successful on it. Yeah, well, you know, and it's you know the and the other things around kind of how you then lead that onto really tightly attributable commerce is mm-hmm. is a challenge. Whereas you know people like Facebook have been working on this for for a while, and you know, um, arguably, you know, I, I do think Instagram's possibly overhyped as well. But um, mm-hmm. but it is slightly more mature in its roots to um, moving you onto that next um, path to, to purchase and sale. I know that I have bought more things off browsing and Instagram than TikTok. Do you think then that uh, TikTok is kind of guided by its users in terms of where you think it's going to go? Because it's it's very kind of malleable and like that. But do you think that the users are going to be the ones that shape how it's going to go? Uh, users should always be um, the people that mm-hmm. shape where a product goes. Definitely these kind of the kind of platforms. I mean, everything that that we have always done and that I've always done within um, the uh, kind of building digital products should be kind of user first, What's mm-hmm. what's what, how are you going to deliver the most benefit to the users and then map that back to um, how kind of brands can use that to their own ends. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving on to the other half of our rating section, which is what you think is underrated. What do you think should get more airtime in our industry? Well, so this is going to sound a little bit geeky, but um, it's hit, going right? to be, it's, it's the internet of things, right? So um, it's a little bit um, uh, under underrated, but if you think about the way that your house has changed shape over the last few years, you know, you might have some plugs that are connected to the internet, your doorbell might be connected to the internet, your TV over the last three or four years might have become a smart TV and connected to the internet, your microwave, your fridge, and more and more and more of these um, uh, products and um, that you, you know, these, these you know, and consumer electronics that you buy as part of your setup is, and how now can I connect to the internet and become part of um, the mesh of um, data that's swarming around your house? And it's predicted that you know, like by the end of twenty twenty one, there was about eight billion in uh, internet enabled kind of um, uh, IoT devices in the world. That's going to rise to somewhere between sixty and a hundred billion by twenty twenty five. And in my little corner of the world, where we look at voice enabled devices, mm-hmm. so we know that the next car you buy will be voice enabled. That you can speak to your phone, you can speak to your laptop, you can speak to your smart speaker. And you know, the, um, it's predicted there's going to be more voice enabled devices than humans by twenty. 24, so more than 8 billion devices. And that leads us to this whole idea that you're going to be able to walk into any room and assume that you can control the technology around you just by talking to it. 
Now, from a marketeer's perspective, all of these little devices which are connected to the internet can deliver you some kind of extra insight and data as to what's happening every time the doorbell gets pressed or um, you turn your thermostat up or you are speaking to your, to your car in a different way. All of these deliver a huge amount of extra data points that if you are built, um, you know, you're building your, your, the fabric of your understanding of your consumer in the right way, you can then feed all these into a better understanding about how to deliver benefits to your consumers lives so there's a lot happening in this world of, of IOT there's um, it's 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 now being adopted you know a, a lot quicker and people trying to understand how to weave all this mesh of data together and you know the, the way that we work is kind of sitting on top of platforms like Google Assistant, Siri, mm-hmm. um, uh, Amazon's Alexa who have a really good understanding and they're building their own fabric of um, these IOT devices so um, we can bring all this insight together. God, I mean, that is that is the future. It's quite terrifying to me, I feel like, because even though we've got massive benefit about all these things being around us, it's the idea of people listening that mm. kind of really does quite scare me, I think. But, I mean, if you think about how long you might have been carrying a mobile phone around mm. with you, right, so that that's the ultimate listening device. It's got a microphone in it, and, you know, you were saying a minute ago that, you know, you speak to your, your friends are talking about holidays in Africa, and that's, that's the device that's listening to you that you're very comfortable with because of the benefits that it gives you. Right, um, and I think that's the way that we, we we tend to start off by being afraid of technology until we understand the benefits it delivers to our lives. Absolutely, and once yeah. you get that benefit back to your life, it stops being terrifying and becomes more of a, a friendly enabler. It's just also kind of fear of the unknown, isn't it? If we don't understand how it works, we're instantly gonna. Oh, I don't understand it, therefore I don't like it. Or you know, I think if it's more obvious and maybe understand it a lot more better than. Well, I, know, like I, I used to understand how my car worked, um, but now, now you know, I, my, 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 I used to be able to fix my car myself, and now I can't because it's a it's a plastic box under the end in the engine. Um, uh, but I'm not scared. I, I trust that that technology works for me, and I think there's and I you know speak to more you know more people. They don't understand how technology works around them, but as long as it does the job and it does it as it well and first time, then mm-hmm. it's trusted and it's seen as an enabler and a benefit to your life rather than something to be scared of. Yes, no, absolutely. I think it's just the uh, imagination runs wild with people, especially when in, in Hollywood, when we have these tech giants now being uh, the villains in a lot of our movies. And it's just uh, kind of perpetuating this idea of distrust, maybe, within technology. But I completely agree that there, there's a massive benefit for them. And uh, we should learn to lean on our technology where well, we do already. But um, I think it's becoming more comfortable with it as well. Yeah. And as you, as the performer, are attention seeker, we would like to know more about your best practice. So could you tell us about a, an exciting project you've worked on at Say It Now and how it got people's attention? Um, so for me, best practice is all about leverage. So, you know, you speak to, especially our investors, we're looking for kind of 10 times return on everything we do. And I think that in you know every part of your, your kind of personal professional life, you know, you're looking for kind of a 10 times return, you know, 10 years ago, I'd hope that I'd have 10 times more cash now. And then in 10 years time, you know, the same again, you know, I'm just looking for, for ways to um, make a big difference. And I think that um, what we did within lockdown um, is we were looking for our first, you know, our first round of kind of these actionable audio ads, these mm-hmm. radio ads that was um, kind of uh, allow people to talk back to them to make these donations. We got this um, grant, so it was a, um, a 50k grant from um, Innovate UK specifically to um, to try out whether we could run radio ads 
to allow people to donate to charity, um, and that was that was fine, but it wasn't going to deliver this kind of this, this kind of big kind of ten x return. So we then went to um, Global, which is the biggest radio company in Europe. We said, look, we've got this idea we'd like to test. Is there any way that we could bring you on as a media partner? They then came on as as a media partner, gave us a huge amount of this big kind of halo effect, not just um, uh, a load of media that we could use to to run against these um, these ad campaigns, but obviously um, access to their best practice and understanding about how we could really measure that um, and you know get the most out of that trial and test and that then paved the way for us to kind of launch this um, this whole actionable audio ad product and then you know run the same kind of uh, media partnership with Octave about a year later so this mm. kind of idea that you can start with an you know any a, a small kernel of an idea and then kind of bring other kind of parties on board to, to help you. And, and as long as you're finding a way that they're going to get benefit as well, then, you know, you get this kind of beautiful uh, win-win and we'll look for that wherever we can. Oh, that's so exciting, I think, watching something go from growth to bloom. It's just following the journey of it. Um, I'd love you to talk more about your actionable ads because I find them absolutely fascinating. Being able to just respond to a smart speaker. Do they only work on smart speakers or can it be a TV as well? So, I mean, this, I mean as we kind of touched on a minute ago, so mm-hmm. any, any um, device which is vo- which has voice enabled, so um, that has Alexa, uh, Siri or Google Assistant built in. So these more cars, more phones, more laptops, more TVs, um, all smart speakers because these, these assistants, they, they live in a cloud and they just need a microphone and... Um, a speaker somewhere in order for you to communicate with them. So they are actionable ads. They are normal kind of ad campaigns, so normal kind of TV ads or radio ads that you can listen to that, that you'd hear today. But instead of the, the end of the ad saying, right, if you'd like to know more, then go to this website. It would say, if you'd like to know more, then say this to your voice assistant now. You then respond immediately to your voice assistant, say, we're doing a campaign right now for MSC Cruises. So, you know, like, if, you'd, if, you'd like, if you'd like to know more about MSC Cruises, <laughs> just ask your device that open MSC Cruises. You go, Alexa, open MSC Cruises, send me a brochure, and you get a brochure link sent directly to your phone. So the whole idea is there are ads that you can talk to, which, you know, from a... Uh, a marketer's perspective is really interesting because we get in the moment insight as to exactly how well they're performing. So these kind of relatively analog channels like TV and uh, and audio, radio, that hard to measure in the moment. In the past, we can now deliver the same kind of um, in the moment insight and um, kind of data and reporting. So you can do in the moment analysis. We've got mm. just launched a, a kind of an upgrade to our tracking capabilities, and um, by the time this comes out, we will have announced a big kind of connected TV partnership. So it's Ooh, very it's exciting, moving well. Yeah, and I was particularly liked the ability to donate with these actionable ads because I think you know the amount of times we see an advert on the TV and think oh I, I will do that I will, yeah. I will get around to doing that and then but being able to just say give five quid to UNICEF yeah I mean that I think is phenomenal so it's great and so we've, so we've done um, charity donation campaigns with uh, NSPCC with Macmillan with Crisis with Comic Relief um, uh, and with WWF and I hope I haven't forgotten anyone um, but, they, no, it's, but it's been it's been it's been um, you know really useful um, and ex- an exciting way to kind of to, to begin this journey fantastic and we have come to the final section of our podcast the long-awaited time to get my attention this this is the bit that's all about me this is away from you for now and it's your opportunity to resell me an outdated and old-fashioned object and our listeners have sent in for you a black and white television 
an analog thing, as you've been talking about, so I'd like you to give it your best and resell me this. But I will warn you, there is a grading system and I will be marking you at the end, so it is all to play for. Over to you. So I'm assuming, um, with this brief, that mm -hmm. I can reimagine uh, the black and white TV. So we're um, now going to sell you the white and black TV, right? And so we're, <laughs> from the ground up, we are rethinking this whole paradigm. And if you think about um, what TV is all about, it's all about storytelling. And the best kind of stories uh, that are told through through pictures, and the original way to, to create pictures is with a blank canvas. As we all know, a blank canvas starts with a white screen, right? So you're starting with this white screen, and the images which are going to be portrayed to you are going to be carefully etched on top of those, and they're going to be delivered this wonderful, crisp black and white, and so that you're no longer distracted by the colour. And so you, when you're watching your TV, you're having the story inserted into your mind. You, there's no distractions. Everything that um, you want to see is told. The story that you are intent on hearing is, is told to you in a way that is purer than it has ever been delivered before, but it's more than this because um, we're in an age where we care more and more about the environment and the world around us and we all know that uh, these TVs that people are spending more and more time looking at consume a huge amount of energy and well, the way that we have reimagined the white and black TV is to build it ground up and energy efficient without the use of all these dirty colours. Um, <laughs> it's completely B Corp certified and as we can see, as you remember the B Corp logo, is white and black. And so <laughs> we deliver back to you the white and black TV coming to a store uh, near you um, very soon, completely carbon neutral and the most, the purest way <laughs> to, to get your audio visual entertainment. That was, I saw your, your face lit up at this opportunity to sell us your white and black TV. I mean, fantastic. I'm so impressed. Environment. Very important. I'm glad you got that in there. Of course. And B Corp. I mean, it will be one day, I'm sure. And I'm looking forward to, uh, I mean, your previous projects have clearly been very successful. So I'm looking for maybe in a year's time, I'm going to see white and black TV. Buy it now from Say It Now. Exactly. I think I think this is the time. This, is, this should be the next project. <sighs> My scoring. It's, it's ticked the environmental. You've been creative. It's obviously a B Corp. I'm going to give it a nine. Fantastic. I'm delighted with that. On this Tuesday morning, you can you can leave the day knowing you've got one success in the belt already. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for being our guest on our podcast, Attention Seekers, and I hope we have satisfied your attention-seeking desires. I think so. I think, uh, it's been great fun. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you want to find out more about the news and trends from global brands, agencies and platforms in the performance marketing industry, register with us on our website, performancemarketingworld.com. And don't forget to look out on our socials, which are linked on the site and in this episode's description, to send in suggestions for next time's Resell Me A Pen Challenge. Thank you all for listening and I look forward to seeing you next time.